podcast is brought to you by our friends at Organifi. Organifi.com slash muscle to get hooked up with 20% off. Ladies and gents, greens and reds should be part of your day. In my opinion, if you're not taking your greens and reds, there's a slight chance you may not be getting all the nutrients you need. Certainly men, when we speak of taking reds, we're looking at berries, looking at beets and such. Getting enough of those nutrients is very important to optimize for cardiovascular function, ultimately nitric oxide delivery, whether that be for muscle pumps or erectile function. And as far as greens, I just like to take greens because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I know that I'm covering my bases when it comes to all of my vitamins and ultimately tastes pretty darn good as well. And sometimes at night, I throw back one of their Organifi Gold. It comes in three fantastic flavors. It comes in the original, which I strongly suggest. It comes in pumpkin spice. It also comes in chocolate. This is loaded with adaptogen mushrooms and anti-inflammatory spices to just really calm down the nervous system. And, and when I had the owner of Organifi come on the podcast, he said, it's, it's like a mushroom made love to Christmas. And I'm like, that's probably a pretty good description of this. And at less than $2 a serving with our discount, it is an incredibly valuable addition to your team. Ladies and gents, that's Organifi.com slash muscle, a company that was very well known for their greens and now has expanded to reds, golds, proteins, and beyond. Head over to Organifi.com slash muscle. Use the code muscle to get hooked up with 20% off. And now enjoy the show. Everyone wants to work hard. Yes. Everyone has some cognitive not many people have have some cognitive desire to like exert yourself to push yourself right some people say it's like self contempt some people say it's expressing the greatness within you it can be anywhere on that continuum yes everybody with me on that like you all have kind of some desire like it's some primal urge to express who we are inside right and and I, again i can't speak for women i speak for for men often and uh, like, I think a man's natural instinct is like, I have some primal urge to like break shit and run through shit and lift heavy stuff and like be aggressive. And, and I want to work hard. That's like part of my DNA. And again, I, I don't know if I can speak for everybody, but it's part of my DNA. And now a lot of the things you hear perpetuated in, in the media or on social media or YouTube is like, hey, you got to work hard, right? And that's definitely a part of it. But if you guys have ever heard me talk in the past, some of the biggest mistakes that are happening in fitness today is working hard. And, and there's a reason for that, right? And so if, if, and you guys have all heard me say this before, but I'm leading somewhere. So you wouldn't sit down today to play the piano and have somebody yelling at you to work harder at playing the piano. That would be stupid. You wouldn't try to play the guitar having never played the guitar and have, have somebody, you know, your coach sitting over you yelling at you to do it harder and faster. That would be stupid, right? Well, how is exercise any different? So think of exercise in terms of skill. So when I sit down to play the piano, I first have to learn to play the keys with each finger before I can play a concerto. And so uh, too is exercise the same way. Every single thing we do in the gym, from the bench press to the squat, to the deadlift, to the bicep curl, to the tricep extension, to lunges, all of it is an individual skill. Yes, there's some crossover in those skills, but each of them is an individual skill that requires practice, that requires detailed repetition, right? It requires perfect practice. So as we're aspiring to build the physique, you wouldn't want you like you wouldn't walk into my life if I was a piano coach and go, Coach, I want to be Elton John in three months. 
you would get laughed at. You probably wouldn't be so unrealistic when your expectations. Yet some people go, hey, I want to be, you know, I want to be Mike O'Hearn in, in six months. It's not realistic. Not because you can't necessarily add huge amounts of muscle in short amount of time, short amounts of time, but because the missing link is your skill, right? It's the inability to do those movements with precision and intensity. The progression of fitness, we'll say the progression of a human goes from in the beginning, it's simply do, right? Get off your ass and do. You have to go to the gym. That's the beginning. This is every beginner in the world. Just get up and do something. Go for a walk, go to the gym. All of you guys have moved past that, right? And so there's three steps in this progression model. It's first do, then it's do well, then it's do with do well with intensities. There's three steps. Simply do. Are all of you guys at the point now where you're you're pretty confident in your ability to get to the gym three, four, five times a week? Yes. The next level is most people skip over the middle part and they go, I'm just I'm going, and now I need to go hard. And what happens when you miss that middle piece? If you're doing something hard and you're not doing it well, what happens? It breaks. You get injured. The stronger you get, the better you get at doing something. It's like uh, the, the metaphor I have to use is if you if I give you the keys to my Lamborghini and you started going 180 miles an hour, your alignment better damn well be on or you're going to hurt yourself, right? The faster you go in a fast car, the more precise the steering has to be. Well, the same is true in exercise. So the stronger you get, the faster you go, the bigger you get, the more precise your steering has to be, your execution. And most people in the beginning miss over that. They skip over it because they want to go straight to like, I want results now, I'm going to work hard. Yes, you want results now, but you have to acknowledge that the faster path to results is actually improving skill. And I'm not going to beat a dead horse on skill. You guys know this is kind of my thing, but I want to get to the prerequisite to even skill. So if we're trying to build uh, muscle in the gym, the, the natural prerequisite is I have to be really good at doing this exercise. So what has to pre preclude that? So if I want to be really good at a bench press, a squat, a deadlift, or a lunge, or anything, there's, so, there's a number of things that need to preclude my ability to do this thing, right? What are they? That's the point of today's conversation. So the first thing that you guys have heard me talk about is this concept of structural balance. So if I have structural balance, which many people naturally have structural balance, they can go into the gym and they can do things, do them hard and do them well and not get injured. That's a really small percentage of the population, right? So usually those people have, quote unquote, good genetics, good proportions to, to do most things really well. They also probably have a good athletic history. So their tissues are healthy. Their tissue quality is great. They're not overly stressed. They're probably pretty well nourished. Their body moves really well naturally, right? And I'll, I'll define what structural balance means. But those are the people that you're going to see on the cover of magazines. Those are the guys guys and girls you're going to see on, on Instagram with huge followings because they're very genetically blessed structurally, and they probably grew up athletic and their body just moves really well. So when they go to the gym, they naturally put on muscle really well, right? This is one like really small subset of the population. Now, everyone else is, falls somewhere beneath that, like, and it's all a continuum. So some people can be really good at movement and really bad at adding muscle. Some people can be uh, really bad at movement and really good at adding muscle. And everyone kind of exists on a continuum. So you have to kind of acknowledge, well, what are those things that you need to be doing, those boxes that you need to be checking to make sure that you're adding muscle at the fastest possible rate, right? So let's talk about that. 
So what does structural balance really mean? So some of you, all you guys are sitting down. So I'm standing. Structural balance in my mind means really being aligned in three different planes, right? So I have to be aligned in the sagittal plane, which is this plane, moving closer, moving further away, this plane. So think of misalignment in the sagittal plane. If I'm rolled forward at the shoulders, if I'm really loaded on my heels, what think of what happens. I wish all of you guys were standing, but it's okay. Think about this. If I just shift my weight back to my heels, what happens to the musculature in my body? Literally, the things in the front of my body start to pull me backward. So I get more quad engagement. I get more abdominal engagement. What if I shift my weight forward onto my toes? Everything on my posterior chain starts to balance. Now, so structural balance exists somewhere in the middle of that, right? So I want to try to find a balance, which is ultimately this dynamic, dynamic balance, I guess, for lack of a better word, between the flexors and the extensors, right? So my, my joint flexors and my joint extensors, you want to find a balance between those two. So what does that require? Some understanding or some feeling or awareness of how tight each side of a joint is. So how tight uh, is, is my extensor? How tight is my flexor? And is there equal pulling on this joint? So if we, do we have equal balance of the flexors and the extensors? Does that make sense? Let's say, for example, I'm, I'm really leaning forward on my toes. My entire posterior chain tends to activate. So everything literally from the bottom of my heels to the top of my head my back. Those muscles, if that's my posture over time, those muscles are going to become hypertonic. If my posture is this over time, then the, the muscles in my front are going to be hypertonic. What if I'm in this, the shape of a chair over time? What then becomes hypertonic, right? You have to acknowledge that every different posture you assume can change the length tension relationship of a joint. Hypertonic means hyper amounts of tone, okay? So like lots of tone, right? Hypertonic. Think, how is my body adapting to my lifestyle and my environment? So here's where structural alignment started to break down before you guys even had a chance. How old were you when your parents put you into shoes? One? 18 months for most of us? So what happens when your parents put you into shoes? Anyone have kids? First time you put your kids in shoes, what do they do? They kind of look at your, your feet. They're kind of going like this. What's on my feet? They're so confused because they can't literally use their feet anymore, especially if you put them into something like Jordans or something that's got like really hard sole. They're literally like, imagine I put your hand, and I put a piece of wood on the front of your hand and I taped it. What would the function of your hand be? You like start going like this, right? You try to like get it off. That's what kids do with their feet. They're like, what's on my feet? Get it off. So as soon as you're 18 months old, somewhere between you know, 12 and 36 months old, your parents put you into shoes. What does that do? So if I put your hand into a mitt that couldn't move, what would that do to function of the muscles here? You would lose your ability to do this. What would it do to the muscles here? Where that becomes the pivot point. Well, those muscles now become ultra probably strong. These ones are ultra weak. There's a disparity there. How about up the chain, the elbow and the shoulder? In this case, obviously, then going to be my knee and my hip. Things are going are to be required to move more than they otherwise would have to pick up for, for the lack of movement in the foot, right? So now they're doing things they maybe shouldn't have done. So as soon as you guys are born, all of your structural alignment started to go out the window. So, okay, well, how do we reestablish this structural balance? So realize the reason I'm starting with the feet, there's three things I'm considering. If you guys are taking notes, this is what you want to write down. 
There's three things when I'm, that I'm considering ultimately that seem to have the greatest influence, seem to have the greatest influence on structural balance or posture. The way your body receives information from the environment, three ways. The bottom of your feet or your feet in general, but specifically the bottom of your feet, your eyes, so your visual system and your vestibular system and your ears. Right? So your body is orienting itself through those three systems. So imagine, um, well, best example, what if I close my eyes? Right? Can you stand on one foot and close your eyes? Try it. So first stand on one foot, no eyes open, and then close your eyes. See what happens. <laughs> so your body stops having that sensory input through the eyes. Yeah, so lift the leg up, pull it a little bit, put it up nice and high, and close your eyes. Some of you will do it. Most of you will fall over. Yeah, so your body is losing all the sensory input to orient itself with the environment. So your body right now is orienting itself relative to your computer or the room. And it's like, okay, the horizon is here. So this is where my eyes should be, right? And so if, if you're, let's say, for example, your eyes become, your, the muscles in your eyes become weak. And one eye starts going this way and one eye starts going this way. Or one eye starts going down. Or if you're tracking something and one eye can't follow, now your brain's getting two images instead of one. So your eyes are meant to converge on a single point. But if your eyes are in some way dysfunctional or, or the muscles of your eyes are dysfunctional, maybe you've had a traumatic brain injury, maybe you've had some type of neurological issue to the, to the, the muscles in your eyes, what happens? You get two images. So your brain's tracking. And it's like, oh, one's going this way, one's going this way. So now your brain can't orient itself with the environment. Now your head starts doing stuff like this. Now your posture starts changing, right? So your body can start changing its orientation to the environment based on the sensory info you guys can rock, based on the sensory information going in. So the eyes, the ears, and the feet. So if I want to optimize my structure, my posture, think about this, guys. If, I'm, if I want to squat 500 pounds, do I want to have the weight forward on my toes? Do I want to have the weight back in my heels? Or do I want to have an equal amount of weight distributed amongst all points in that, that entire surface area? Right. If I want to push you, would I push you like this? Would I push you like that? Or would I just lean into you and push you my entire hand if I really want to push you? Surface area matters. So when you guys are going into squat and lunge and deadlift, the reason I advocate taking your shoes off is because typically going through your shoes, you don't feel any sensory input. Right. You don't feel the floor. You don't feel what side of your foot you're pushing through. So one of you guys have ever seen me do this video, I think it's on YouTube. I took my shoes off and I get into the bottom of a lunge, like way into the bottom of a lunge, huge amounts of knee flexion. And I just think about like pushing into the floor. So I'm literally telling my brain how to make contact with the floor. Anyone who's, who really wants to improve their ability to contract their legs, this is something I advocate. So take your shoes off, get into the bottom of a lunge. Your entire foot stays in contact with the ground because that's very important. Get into as much hip flexion and knee flexion as you can and, and feel the way your foot makes contact with the floor. Try to make the entire foot make contact. See how hard you can push all different aspects of your feet. And I literally will try to go like pushing each of the fingers. Because if I do this on my feet or my toes, now all of a sudden I literally can start to feel those toes. I get sensory input. Does that make sense? It's like if you were to roll the bottom of your feet with a, with a ball, like a prickly ball, or like rub it with a pencil or something, or a pen. You're getting sensory feedback up the, to the brain. Your brain go, oh, I can feel that. Now I can push through that area more effectively. Does that make sense? So for many of us, as we have this 
um, seated posture as our default. We tend to be slouched. We tend to be a little bit uh, anterior in our in our in our uh, pelvic posture, right? Anterior pelvic tilt. So the lower back is really tight. The hamstrings are really tight. Very common people. Uh, if we want to learn to correct that, the foundation of it typically is fixing your feet, right? F- fixing your feet and fixing your eyes. So I had a really great example today. If your brain, let's say your brain is perceiving the environment and your eyes are doing different things. Let's say I have, I'm following, um, I don't know, let's say I'm like looking around the room, right? I'm checking out things around the room. And this eye is doing a really good job of tracking that thing, but the other eye is kind of fluttering. So my brain's getting two different sensory images coming in, right? So 90% of our sensory information comes through our eyes. If one eye is tracking something really good, let's say I'm looking at a bird, and the other eye is kind of like losing its ability to track. Now my brain's getting two different sensory images into my brain. So my brain goes, I'm not sure how to orient myself. What do you think it does to my nervous system? Do you think it relaxes or do you think it makes it tighter? It's going to make it tighter. It's going to create more tension, right? Hypertonicity. Why? Protective. It's like, so imagine, the, here's the example. Imagine I'm, um, I'm walking or running. I maybe haven't run or walked in a long time. And every time I hit the ground, it's like very, very hard. And my eyes are going like this. And my head, is, and my head is, is jerking. My neck is very unstable. So there's a lot of extra movement in my eyes, a lot of extra movement in my brain. What do you think your, body's, your, your brain is going to tell your body as far as how much stability to generate? It's going to ramp up huge amounts of stability, right? It's going to make you like try to, try to protect you because it's like, oh, shit, this is like very intense. So now all of a sudden my body becomes hypertonic because my eyes are doing these like fasciculation things, right? So over time, this becomes a hypertonic person. If, so if your eyes are not controlled well, if you're not tracking very well, you can ultimately become someone who becomes hypertonic just because the visual system isn't working optimally. Does that make sense? Okay, so how then do we fix it? How then do we start making the body chill out and relax? Well, it's learning to, to train the tracking process. Right, so let's check this out. So if we put a if we put a pen in front of my, in front of your eyes, right at eye level, and we just do this, everybody do this with me. Put your finger out in front of you, like right in front of your nose, eye level, six inches out in front. Now I want you to just draw circles with the finger, but you got to look at the circles. So you look at the tip of your finger. And I just want them to be really slow and really small, like maybe an inch in diameter, and just follow it, follow it around. So now go a little bit bigger and keep it small. So you're going maybe like two inches in diameter. Keep it slow, just follow it. Now, if you were to move the hand all the way over to the right, follow with your eyes, not with your head. Move your finger all the way over to the left, follow with your eyes, not with your head. Come back to the middle. Now you can do some away, convergence. Now everybody hold it in convergence. So I want you to look at the tip of your finger. You're probably four inches away from your nose. Hold it there. You guys getting one image of a finger or two? So if anyone's getting two images, it's common. But imagine what's happening at the level of your brain. Bring it closer to your eyes. Bring it two inches away from your eyes. Hold it there. Lock onto the finger. Determine or assess how many fingers you see. Go a little closer if you can. You're about one and a half to two inches away now. And lock your eyes on it. Good. Did anybody feel their eye? Did anybody see two fingers? Hold up two. Hold, oh, sorry. Anybody, hold up two fingers if you saw two. Yeah. So what does that tell you your eyes are doing? They're not converging on a single point. So you're getting multiple uh, pieces of sensory information, right? So your eyes should be able to track properly. And if it's not, 
the eye musculature could be weak. It, it is weak. And so the nervous system, maybe there could be something wrong with the level of the nervous system. There could be something wrong with the level of the muscular system in the eyes. Usually it's the nervous system. So now the brain is telling the rest of the body, I'm not sure how to orient myself in the environment because I'm getting two pieces of sensory information, right? So this is important. So think of what's going to happen to your posture. Think of what's going to happen to the amount of tone in your body. Think that through. So if we want to improve it, we have to train the muscles of the eyes so that we can get one piece of sensory information. And all of a sudden the body goes, I can relax because the body's not sure what to do with its posture because it doesn't know where it is in the environment. Does that make sense? So again, this is pretty complex stuff, but in general, it's a really good idea to start just paying attention to what your body is doing, paying attention to how you feel overall. Do you have balance between the flexors and the extensors? And if you don't, the next course of action, maybe you check your eyes, maybe you check the bottom of your feet, and maybe you do some mobility and stability work as kind of the third and final anchor, the third, third and final point that can allow you to relax the musculature that's tight and tighten the musculature that's that's weak, right? So you want to do some flexibility or mobility work and things that are hypertonic, too tight. And we want to do some contraction work in the things that are hypotonic to maybe not, not contracted enough. Right. And that's ultimately what structural balance looks and feels like. Now, what's then the prerequisite to all that? You got to pay attention to it. Right. Otherwise, you're just, you're a victim to your environment. And so we hope we encourage all of you guys to become more intentional about the way you move, the more intentional about the way you contract and the way you train. Because every time you train, guys, the greatest way to change your structural balance is through training. By learning how to contract your entire body and create stability in your body and simply not move while I'm intentionally contracting a certain muscle with as much effort and intensity as I possibly can through every segmental inch of every every single rep, right? That's what this is about. That's ultimately what training with intelligence is about. It's not mindlessly going in and working hard. Any monkey can do that. Your goal is like, hey, I want to learn how to balance this body so that I can step on the gas pedal and actually build muscle and actually not hurt myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is this in my eyes is a big missing link, big missing piece in the ability to build muscle long term. Anyone have joint pain? What is joint pain? Literally, what is uh, other than like blunt force trauma, like traumatic injury? What is joint pain? It's literally just the unequal pulling of muscles on a joint, right? That's it. Like, unless you've done something traumatic in, in like I say, in, in an athletic endeavor or in life where you tore something, or it's usually some type of repetitive. So it's, it's they call it uh, overuse. No, they call it misuse injury, but it's typically just an overuse, right? Or no, they typically call it overuse, but it's usually misuse, right? It's just like, you're not doing it correctly. There's this thing as an overuse injury, Right, because you can do something a billion times and it wouldn't—you'll never get hurt. You do it incorrectly; it's misuse. Then you get hurt. So think that through. So let's say I have a five-pound weight in my hand. Everybody, give me your attention. I have a five-pound weight in my hand. The only time this five-pound weight actually weighs five pounds is when it's not moving. Right. So if I as soon as I start moving up, it's actually weighing less than five pounds. As soon as I start moving down, because of acceleration. It's actually changing the amount of resistance. Does that make sense? So it's technically five pounds, but only when it stops. Does that make sense? So if I throw something at you and it's moving at 50 miles an hour, that's going to be very different than if it's moving at 10 miles an hour. Yes, everybody acknowledge that for the amount of force 
it's going to impart against your body. Yeah. So when you're moving uh, in a lunge or a squat and there's a lot of acceleration, that's when your joints get hurt. If you're, what does everyone do at the bottom of a squat and lunge? They bounce. So if you want to eliminate injuries, one, make sure the movement pattern is correct. Two, eliminate momentum and bouncing. If you eliminate momentum and bouncing, you actually use your muscles. The likelihood of injury is effectively eliminated, right? Like, I don't think I've ever had anyone get injured while training with me ever, right? Unless they're doing something stupid, in which case I make them stop. But like, I don't think ever has someone like torn a muscle or hurt, hurt a knee. It's always getting better. Muscles are there to support joints. Like, that's what they do. If your muscles are, are causing pain or training your muscles is causing you pain, it's not correct. You're simply doing it wrong. So you got to think that through. Thanks for listening to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. For full episode guides with important takeaways and bonus resources, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash learn. If you enjoy the show and find value in the content, please subscribe, share this podcast with at least one person you know and love who would benefit from this content, leave us a review, and support our sponsors. You can see the full list of show sponsors, discounts, and get exclusive Muscle Intelligence deals at muscleintelligence.com slash resources. To join our private community and get VIP access to my master classes, upcoming muscle camps, and other resources that we don't post anywhere else, head to muscleintelligence.com slash community. Most of all, thank you very much for your trust, for your time, and most importantly, for supporting health and fitness in this world. Enjoy your day. And I look forward to seeing you here next week. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.